journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shavua Tov, Shavua Tov, and welcome to 101.9 High FM. I'm Adol Kazilski, and as always, I take the seat on a Monday to, to spend some quality time with you learning my favorite topic ever, and that is the topic of Torah. And why is it my favorite? Because it's not just an academic learning, it's a way of life. It gives us so much insight into how we should behave, and it gives us a lot of food for thought. And as always, I'd love you to join the conversation. 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. Please say hi, let me know that you're there. And for those that are sitting at home or are not driving at most, um, you can take out the Bible. You can take out the book of Genesis, Parashat Bereshit. We are in the, not Parashat Bereshit, the book of Bereshit, Parashat Bayechi. Apologies. And we are going through the blessings that Jacob gave his sons before he passed away. We learned a tremendous amount last week. And just as a reminder, if you do miss one um one show, you always can go back onto the Chayefim podcasts and you will always find out and are able to download what, it, what, what you missed and you can listen to it from the ease of your beautiful lazy boy. Right, we are going to carry on proceeding. You can open up chapter 43 verse 13. Last, uh, no, apologies, is it, is it 13? Yes, it is. Uh, last week we did the first four sons. We did Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, and Yehuda. And now we are going to go and learn about particularly Zvulun and Yisachar. Now we're going to read them together and then just come and understand something unbelievably important and something that is very, very fundamental um, to our Jewish way of life. Verse 13 of chapter 49 reads, Zvulun lechof yamim, Zvulun will settle in the, on the seashores, vehu lechof oniyot v'yarchato al-tidon. He will have a harbor for his ships, and he will flank um, just outside Tzidon. Tzidon is a place. So just very simply, when the land of Canaan was divided amongst the tribes, Zvulun's portion was along the seaside. Okay, he had a long, long portion. Um, to his right was Naphtali. To his bottom left was was Asher. But he basically took the entire um, uh, sea area. He had a little bit of an inland thing. I'm looking. I happen to be looking at the at a, a map which I unfortunately can't share with you visually. But what we know as the city of Akko today, that was in Asher's portion. And it went much, much higher up the border to Tyre and Zerapath and Sidon. Okay. Um, and uh, it, it really, really, really is interesting just for our listeners to know that the land of Israel, the size we have today, is not the size of the land of Israel of biblical times. It was much, much bigger, and uh, Lebanon was certainly part of the land of Israel, and so was the other side of the Jordan River. So, 
Um, here we get the blessing of Zvulun that he will have a harbor for his ships um, and his business, he, he, would, he would become a very big businessman. His business dealings would be very prosperous because all the ships will pass through his uh, borders. Now, he doesn't exactly reach Sidon um, in the north. It says here, the it means that the end of his border will be Sidon because that would be in Usher's portion. Now, I'm not going to continue too much more about um, Zvulun because he's very much connected to the next brother, Yisachar. So let's read what we know about the brother Yisachar. Yisachar Chamor Gorim Roibetz Ben Hamishpatayim Yisachar is a burny donkey and he crouches between the saddlebags. By Yar Menucha he saw that leisure Kitov was good, the Eta Aretz Kina Ema, and that the land was pleasant, by Yet Shechmo Lisbol by Yehi Lamas Obed. And he bent his shoulder to the burden and he works for taxes. Very, very interesting, a bit cryptic, as I said before, the blessings given to uh, the sons were very poetic, very cryptic, contained a lot of information over there, we need to unpack it. So what were we saying particularly about Yisachar initially? Well, Yisachar was a, was very powerful. And that's why he's considered like a donkey that is carrying heavy saddlebags, Mishpatayim. Okay? Um, he's a burly donkey and he's, he's, he's crouching between the saddlebags. The saddlebags, if you can imagine, over the donkey are very, very heavy. And so he is carrying those saddlebags. Well, you can ask the question, what were those saddlebags? Well, just as a donkey will patiently carry its load, if anybody has uh, seen a donkey, been on a donkey, what comes to my mind is that um, quite a couple of years ago, my husband and I were in Santorini. And if anybody knows, there's all those steps to get up and... Um, and come down and there's a lot of donkeys and they have a lot of saddlebags on them and the donkeys exactly do this. They patiently carry their load. Now, what is the load that Yisachar is carrying? We're told that he carries the load of Torah study. Very interestingly, okay, um, what did Yisachar do? They studied Torah all day. They studied Torah all night. And in fact, we're told that the men of Yisachar never, ever rested. They would go to sleep even completely dressed and be ready to get up early and immediately study Torah. And just like a donkey travels day and night without rest, we know that um, a person who owns a donkey, we're told their owners don't bring them inside. They leave them outside the city amongst the Mishpatayim. You could also use as garbage heaps. Okay, um, because they can then be ready to immediately carry merchandise when needed. Um, so to Yisachar is considered as a donkey in a very, very good way. Okay, they were the Torah scholars of the Jewish people. And they are called saddlebags because learning Torah is in fact a very, very important and um if I can use the word burden, but burden in a positive sense, 
part of the Jewish people, and we are going to discuss that more after the break. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Right, so Yisachar is carrying the burden of learning Torah. Not only did, did they carry the burden of learning Torah, and I'm going to get into that a little bit more, um, we are told that Yisachar will have, will, will live in tranquility, okay? And his, his land will also be extremely productive. How will it be productive? It would produce very fine, abundant fruit, the Midrash tells us. And when people bought fruit from them, they would be completely astounded. And uh, it says that if anybody asks, why is Yisachar got such beautiful food? The response would be, because they spend all their days studying the Torah. It says when people would come and see that with their own eyes, they themselves would learn to believe in God and they would want to convert to Judaism. And that is why you can have a, you can look in verse 15 where it says, um, that the leisure was good, and that the land was pleasant. Now, whilst they had um, like a lot of food, uh, fruit, etc., etc. One of the things that that, that Yisachar did, the, the the major thing that he did, they were Torah scholars, and we are told that Yisachar became the people of Yisachar, the men of Yisachar became experts in the civil aspects of Torah law, and they would constantly teach it, and they would render decisions, and every judge that was around in Israel would come to them and ask them. For advice, they became unbelievable scholars of Torah. In fact, we are also told that they taught Israel the secrets of how to calculate new moons. It's called Sod Ha'ibur. They also had methods of astronomy, and they would teach the Jewish people about the orbits of the sun, about the moon, when the new moon occurs, when the month of Adar must be doubled, etc., etc. And if you go look in the book of Divrei Hayamim you will see that it says over there that the children of Yisachar who knew the understanding of times um, would know what Israel had to do. Their leaders were 200 and all their brothers followed their word. So from here we understand that the, the men of Yisachar, the tribe of Yisachar, had in fact, we are told, 200 Sanhedrin academies which taught Torah to their brethren. So they were exceedingly intelligent and they were very erudite in the area of law. Now here we can go back again to the verse to see that Yisachar is called Hamor Garem, a bony donkey, meaning we know a donkey has large bones, right? You can readily see them through its skin, where if you, if, if you look at other animal bones, they're normally covered with flesh, they're not as easily visible. So what is the metaphor here? The metaphor here is that Yisachar's children will be like that donkey, meaning there will be such great sages that their wisdom would be immediately evident. People would like see their bones showing. Their, their greatness would be very, very evident. Now, we are also told because he's a bony donkey, Robet's bain ha mishpatayin, that he had crouched between the saddlebags. The first explanation we gave was that 
they would take on the burden of Torah, the saddlebags would be the burden of Torah. But uh, the Midrash also comes and tells us that the portion that Yisachar would inherit in the land consisted of two plains with a highlands in the middle, which means that they have both mountains and plains. And each have their own advantage, right? So they landed up having the best of both worlds. Um, and also another interesting thing was that um, when the other tribes inherited their lands, they would have portions with them. They were not able to to conquer. Okay? And Yisachar, because it says he will bend his shoulder to the burden, meant that he would fight against all all enemies that remained in his portion of his land until they were driven out. Um, and even if if there were a few um, enemies that remained, they they they, they lived there um, like in a surrogate form, and they they had to pay they had to pay taxes. So we see over here that Yisachar was richly blessed, and he had an incredible um, portion which grew a lot of food. But here's what's the most important, and really the discussion I want to have today, and really, when we're talking about it, I'd love to hear your comments, or what you think about it, or if you have participated in what I'm going to speak about. So remember, 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019 is our telegram number. One of the nuances that nobody's shouting out, asking for, is that um, you can hear from the verses that we've just learned that Zvulun got blessed before Yisachar, when in truth you can see that Yisachar, if you go back in Genesis, when they were born, Yisachar was born before Zvulun. So Yisachar ostensibly was the older one. Why was Zvulun then blessed first? Okay, He went through the order of Reuben, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. The next was Yisachar and then Zvulun. Now, if you really, really know your Bible, you'll know that Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher were all born before Yisachar. And they too are blessed later. So we see that the, 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 the lineage, the, the hierarchy of the brothers isn't really followed. Well, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher were the children of Bila and Zilpah. Okay, of the two concubines. So why were they not blessed before Yisachar and Zvulun? Because they were the children of the concubines, and it seems that Yaakov wanted to first bless all the children of Leah. However, that still doesn't answer the question as to why um, Zvulun was blessed before Yisachar. So we can understand that Zvulun and Yisachar came before Dan, Naftali, Asher, Gad and Asher because they're the, 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 the sons of Leah. But why reverse it? Well, here is the big thing. Zvulun and Yisachar were very, very close partners. They were very, very close brothers. Why? Because we are told that the, they made an agreement between themselves. The agreement was, Yisachar, you go and engage in the study of Torah day and night in the Yeshiva Academy. Don't worry about Parnosa. Don't worry about any type of, of what's the name, um, 
of uh, of of Parnosa. And Zavulun, you on the other hand, are going to go and engage in 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 business. And what will happen? You will travel all over the seas. You'll have the harbor, and then. What will happen was all the earnings that Zvulun will will make, he'll divide his earnings equally and give half over to Yisachar. And the deal in in reverse is that since Zvulun made it possible for Yisachar to do nothing but study Torah, Yisachar will give half the portion of the merit of learning Torah to Zvulun. So there was a business deal here. Okay, now this goes and explains why Zvulun was blessed before Yisachar. Because it was Zvulun's activities in business that enabled Yisachar to sit and just learn Torah. Okay, um, and if you actually look further later um, with what, with the uh, with with uh, Moses' blessings, okay, um, he says, Rejoice, Zvulun, when you come and go for your business. You have a great profit from your work. For Yisachar sits in his tents studying the Torah. Now, why is this so unbelievably important? Because this partnership of Yisachar and Zvulun, or Zvulun and Yisachar, exists unto this very day. Unbelievably Interestingly, um, and anybody who's intimate and understands uh, the workings of the Jewish people, you will see that um, this is what Zvulun did for Yisachar and what many, many people in business do today. They go out into business, they make a lot of money, and then they become unbelievably big benefactors to help Jewish institutions of education, of learning, of, of tzedakah, etc., etc., and we see we see this relationship so uh, so 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 much before our very eyes, where whatever project or idea or um, promotion of Torah that is needed, you will see that it is of of a it is of a a, uh, a, 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 a what's the name a a mindset where you will have big businesses, people with money, helping out those who are working in the area of education and in the study of Torah. And so this is what it teaches, that a wealthy man who supports a Torah scholar, scholar when a businessman comes and he supports a Torah scholar, he is blessed both, we are told in the Midrash, with the blessings of heaven and earth. Meaning, he's worthy of two two tables. He gets two things. He gets merit in this world, because he's helping with the promotion of Torah, and in the next. Now, lots of times, people can't get both. Okay, If you're sitting and studying Torah, the majority of your reward is in the world to come. But when you combine the two, it becomes something that is unbelievably powerful. And it is one of, seriously, the foundations of the Jewish people. The foundations. All our incredible infrastructure, all our schools, all our yeshivas, all the good work 
that you see is because people are dedicated in the realm of Torah, and then there are the people behind them, the backers, the financial backers, that are allowing that to happen. And that gives unbelievable blessing, both for he who gives and for he who goes out and does the work. And so that is, um, since uh, we are told that 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 this was the relationship, we see that this happened forever and ever, to this very day. It's not something new. It's not something new, and it's not out of the ordinary. It is part of the very fabric of, of who we are. Now, if we go back um, in the time of the Mishnah, which was around the 2nd century CE, you, you will see that the, the, there were many partnerships like that. There were two brothers. They were called Shimon and Azariah. Shimon was a scholar. He constantly studied Torah. And his brother Azariah constantly supported him. And they made an agreement that one would study Torah, the other would engage in business, and that the merit of the Torah study would be divided equally between them. And as a result, if you if you look, anything that Shimon, any Torah that Shimon taught, all his teachings are associated with his brother Azariah. So if you go hear or read about Shimon in the Talmud, he's always referred to as Shimon, the brother of Azariah. We see it again as well, um, if you look at Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was supported by Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi. They also, too, had the same uh, agreement. Okay? Um, and again, as I've said, it has followed through always that, that people will, will make that, you know, will, will make that arrangement. There's one caveat here, one condition is that the, the, this, this business deal has to be made in advance, meaning before the scholar sits down and studies. So Yisachar and Zbulun, it was like that. Shimon and Azaria was like that. They make an agreement. You go study. I'll engage in business, and we can divide up our rewards in the world to come. But if one has already studied Torah and he wishes to sell the merit for a certain amount of money, we're told that is a deal that is null and void. Where do we see that? Well, we've got another example in Torah um, about the famous Hillel. We know that Hillel, he, he learned a tremendous amount of Torah, but he was extremely poor. Because all he did was spend his entire time studying Torah and doing with the barest minimal. Now, Hillel, interestingly, had a very wealthy brother. His name was Shevna. And Shevna devoted all his time to his business affairs. And then one time Shevna came to Hillel and he said to Hillel, let's make a deal. We'll be partners. I'll give you half my property and you will give me half the merit of your Torah, Torah study. And uh, we we're told that a butt call, a voice from heaven suddenly spoke out and they quote, and this voice from heaven quoted a verse from the Song of Songs. You can go look at it up in chapter 8, verse 7, that says the following. If a man gave all the wealth of his house for love, he will be utterly condemned. 
meaning that if a man gives even all his wealth to the Torah scholar, in exchange, retroactively for even a small portion of his merits in the future world, he's utterly rejected. So any agreement in which a person tries to purchase past merit for money is automatically null and void. And it says even one who even agrees to it, what happens if the guy agrees to it? He says, okay, that's fine. I'll give you the last 10 years of my Torah study. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do the deal. It says one who sells the merit in the world to come also deserves to be punished. So you cannot go and buy a reward in the future world, in the world to come, for, for all, the, all the good things, um, retroactively. It has to be proactively. And I really, really encourage everyone to think about that. You know, what's amazing about the Jewish people, and I think that it, it boils down to this whole concept of having the 12 tribes, is that the Jewish people recognize, or the Torah recognizes, God recognizes that everybody comes with their specific um, gifts that God's given them. One person can be amazing with his hands. Another person can be amazing with their mind. Another person can sing. Another person can draw. Another, we're, we're, we're very, very unique. And Torah doesn't come around and knock our uniqueness. What Torah doesn't say is live up to who you are. You, you are in this world today because God deems you to be important. And you have a gift to give to the world. Now, the gift isn't what your partner's got. Your gift isn't what you think the other person um, is, is doing. The gift isn't anything. The gift is yours. What is it that you have, that you are good at, that you are passionate about, that you are able to, to bring to the world? That's the first thing. And the second, even more powerful idea is, is, is the idea that, you know, we, we do place a tremendous amount of emphasis and importance on Torah study, it is held in extremely high esteem when a person is able to forego the pleasures of this world and sit and study Torah. That does not mean that he who doesn't or can't or is not able to sit and study Torah is a second-class citizen. On the contrary, you are a very important cog in the wheel, and that is the relationship with Zvulun and Yisachar. If God gave you the gift to go out into the world and to make money, then use your money proactively. We'll discuss a little bit more. I'd love to know what you think about this. 34519-061-895-1019 is our telegram number. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. So I'd love if you, if you can share, if you have, are part of this partnership, I can tell you from personal experience and from um, being in the world of business, I have seen many, many times where people um, are very, um, are, are very generous with their money and are helping incredible institutions. And this has only brought them even more blessing um, into the world. So in Judaism, there isn't such a thing as Someone is better than you. Each one of us is unique. And each of us can bring to the party something that the other cannot. And it does not mean that because you cannot go and sit and study Torah all day long, that you are less of 
of whatever it is, whatever you're measuring yourself against. You're not. Go out and study Torah and uh, bring, bring blessing to the world. Bring, bring, uh, bring um, your generosity back to the table and, and bring it into the institutions and, and things that really benefit the majority of us. So this partnership of Yisachar and Zvulun is a very, very famous, very well-known, very embedded characteristic of the Jewish people. Right, we're going to continue and look at another one or two brothers. And the first we're going to do is we're going to talk about Dan. Now we're going on to the sons of Bilar and Zilpah. We're in chapter 49. We're now looking at verse 16. Dan yadin amor. Dan will judge. Okay, comes from the word den. Will judge his people. Ke'achad shifte Israel like one of the tribes of Israel. Yehi dan nachash alei darech shififun oirech hanoshech ikvei sus. Dan will be like a snake on the road, a viper on the path, biting at the horse's heel, and the rider will fall backwards. For your help, I wait Hashem. So Dan is the guy that does things right, okay? He's going to be the guy that is going to seek, so to speak, judgment for his people. And what does he do? He takes revenge against the Christian. He's the, uh, what's the modern term? He's the, ad, the, the, the guy that, that deals in advocacy. He goes out and he fights for the Jewish people. Obviously, in the olden days, he was the one that actually fought for the Jewish people. Um, and he made things right. Now, one of Dan's descendants, Dan's descendants, was in fact Shimshon. Okay, it says there, this unique shall be king who shall rise over the tribe of Yehuda, whose their name will be David, and Shimshon will be just like him. Now, Shimshon, um, we all know the story of Shimshon. Shimshon, the Danite, we're told in the books of Judges, you can go and look, it says that he was like a viper whose venom could even kill after the snake was dead. And Shimshon would also make many plishtim with him, when take many plishtim with him when he died, right? So Shimshon, the entire famous story of Samson, that's the English translation, is found in the book of Judges. You can go look in the ch- chapters 13 to 16. Now, what else is Dan called? He's called a snake on the road. Why a snake on the road? Because the nations of the world will be terrorized before him. His advocacy will be so strong and his war against them will be so strong that they will be really, really scared. And it says that the Christian will break and run away when they see him because he is like a shififun, a viper. Now, what's a shififun? It says a shififun is actually a very small snake. It's, it's thin, thin like hair. And when it wants to hide in the ground, it can, it can do that. It, it can hide in crevices. And nevertheless, its venom is very poisonous. There's no um, antidote to it. And so that's what Dan was. Dan would have power over the highways. He would kill the mightiest warriors of the Plishtim. And he would be like a venomous viper. He would have power over foot soldiers and cavalry. And, and even warriors on powerful war horses, we're told, would see the, the Dananites 
and they would, out of fear, they would just fall backwards. They were very, very powerful. So in the time of the Bible, they went out and ensured, so to speak, the security of the Jewish people, and they vanquished the, 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 the enemies. Today, those are the people who are our advocates, who go out and they fight for the Jewish people, and they'll go into the, the courts of justice, and they will go onto social media, and they will go out and they will fight for the Jewish people in a, a, a powerful, powerful way. Now, there's one last verse in here that's very interesting that we actually use it um, when we go to sleep at night. And this is what Jacob said at the end of his blessing for uh, Dan. He said, Yeshua kiviti Hashem. For your help, I'll wait Hashem. Now, why did he say that? Why did Yaakov say that? Because Yaakov was praying that Shimshon would be found so that when, so that he could be given a proper burial when, when he brought down the entire palace. Okay. Um, but much deeper than that, we are told that when Yaakov saw Shimshon's power and his victory over all his people, Yaakov thought that maybe Shimshon would be Mashiach, that he would be destined to be Mashiach. But then divine, um, divine, uh, Intelligence and divine, divine prophecy showed Yaakov that he would in fact die together with the Plishtim, and so he became despairing, and he said, kiviti Hashem, for your help, I wait Hashem, meaning even the most powerful Shimshon, okay, a powerful Danonite that can go out and destroy things, we should never put our power in the hand of Hashem, I mean in the hand of a person, but early in the hand of Hashem. And so every night before we go to bed, we actually have a small meditation. kiviti Hashem. I wait for your redemption, God. I wait for your salvation. Because even the, what we would normally put our, our faith in, the power of whatever we think it is, our bank manager, our money, our whatever it is, know that that is all awful naught. We only should wait for the redemption of Hashem. This is 101.9 Chai FM. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Right, so now that we only believe in Hashem, we're just going to do another two quick ones. And again, this is a verse, a very mystical verse. And this is the verse for God. God gadud yigudenu vehu yigud akem. In case you have any problem with your gadugas, you can practice this. God gadud yigudenu vehu yigud akem. That God is a raiding troop. He shall be the troop of Israel, meaning that his tribe will consist of troops of armed men. They will cross into over the other side of the Jordan before their brothers, and they would do battle with the Canaanim. And then God would then turn around as a troop on their heels and cross the Jordan with much property. Okay, and he would obviously then bring bring uh, bring um, peace to the Jewish people. This was when the Jewish people went to conquer. We're also told that the portion of God would be broad and fertile, and he would have hungry neighbors. The hungry neighbors would be Ammon and Moab. They would generally come and rob him out of jealousy, and he would still raid their hill, meaning that they would overcome the, those that were coming in them. They would be God would be like as bold as a lion, not afraid of many troops, and in the end, they would um, they would uh, they would vanquish them as well. Now, again, we know that the order of the birth was Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. 
But here again we see that God is right after Dan skipping over Natali because in Dan's blessing we see he says, Neshotcha kiviti Hashem. We just spoke about that verse. Yeah, I, you know, for your help, I, I, I hope Hashem, why he, he mentioned God right afterwards because guess who is a descendant of God? None other than the famous Eliyahu Navi, Elijah the prophet. Um, and he's a descendant of God, and therefore he blessed God immediately after done. So I think this is where we are going to draw the line. Time is running out. I've had a lot of fun. I hope you've learned a lot. Um, I certainly have, and uh, I look forward to carrying on the blessings of Jacob's sons with you next week. In the meantime, have a Shavua Tov, a fantastic week ahead, and uh, I'll be back same place, same time next week.